one of us, God. I thank you that we have a community, that we have a family, Father, that we can serve you alongside one another as we face the triumphs and the trials of this life, God. And I pray, Father, for those that would be here today, God, who don't know you, and those that won't be here today that don't know you, I pray that that your Holy Spirit would convict them, God, that they would choose, God, not just to attend church, Father, but choose to have a life submitted to you, Lord. And God, I pray for our time together today, God. I pray, God, that there would be such a revelation of who you are, of your character, of your redeeming nature that reaches out to us, God, that takes us from the muck and the mire and sets us on a sure foundation, Father. So we thank you that you are our rock. You are that cornerstone that Jesus, ultimately, we serve you because of your sacrifice. We honor you today, and we look forward to your word going forth because the Bible says that your word never comes back void. And we claim that today in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.
Yeah.
Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that God, you called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light, Lord. God, that you have not abandoned us, Lord. You've not forsaken us, Father, but God, you're pursuing us that. God, you are pleased to reveal yourself to us through your Son, Jesus, Lord. Yes. Pray, God, that we would keep, for those who are in Christ, God, that we would keep our eyes on Jesus, Lord. Mm-hmm. For those, God, who are not in Christ, Lord, oh, how I pray that their eyes would be open. Yes. They see their condition, Lord, the enemy to your throne, Father. That they would humble themselves, Lord, and receive this free gift of salvation mm-hmm. through Christ Jesus to be reconciled back to God, their Creator, to have peace with God through Jesus Christ, their Lord, Father. Yes. And that only can come about, Father, as you, Father, draw them to yourself, to your loving kindness, Lord, draws them to repentance. Yes. So, Father, it's all about you. Father, it's all for you. And so, God, help us to abide in you. Give us a greater hunger and thirst, Father, for righteousness, Lord Jesus, for your name's sake. Let us not be those who look back that are not fit for your kingdom. But no, no, God, may we be those who put our hand to the plow and continue to move forward, being effective laborers in the harvest field, Father, preparing for your return to collect those, Father, who belong to you. So, Lord Jesus, come and have your way among us and in us and through us this day, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Application, sustained effort, hard work. Again, eight months now, put in front of us. Sustained effort, hard work, where there's so much going on in the world today and there's so much clamoring for our attention. How are we doing with application? Sustained effort, hard work, applying the truth of God's Word to our lives, abiding in Christ, understanding that we have a new art new identity if we are truly born again that we are now children of God and so now we're learning to live as such sustained effort hard work everything in this natural world everything in the spiritual realm everything of our old nature is against that identity and it's striving and continually bombarding us to reject truth so that we would not grow, so that we would not mature, so that we would eventually turn and follow doctrines of demons, yet being bound to be children of wrath instead of children of God. Application, sustained effort, hard work. The question I always keep asking is, is how are we doing? How are you doing with that? How is your Christian life impacting a world that desperately needs to know Jesus? 
or to apply, to give one's full attention to the task, to work hard, to open up the Word of God, to apply the Word of God, to take thoughts captive and bring them into the obedience of His Lordship, to take the weapons of our warfare, to demolish strongholds, to stand and stand therefore, then after we've done all we know to do, that we are just standing with our roots firmly rooted in Christ. Being an image bearer of Christ. Or are we just looking like those who just have a form of religion, those who are still lost in the world, those who are still hoping against hope, busted, ruined, disgusted, depressed, oppressed, shame-filled, condemned, Oh, God, help us. As we understand, the world is getting darker. Times are getting crazier. And yet God has called us for such a time as this. God has purposed us for such a time as this. But if we're truly born again of the Spirit, then this is now then how we ought to be living in step with the Holy Spirit. Walking with God. Talking with God. And getting out of His way so that He may live in us and through us. So that we are impacting our lives, our families, our neighborhoods, our communities, our jobs, the stores we go into. Wherever we go, wherever our feet will tread, it shall be given unto us. That we will walk in the authority in which we have because of Christ. Because of Christ. Applying the Bible is the duty of all Christians, not just some, as I keep encouraging us, but every one of us, if we're truly Christians, because if we don't apply it, the Bible becomes nothing more to us than a normal book. An impractical collection of old manuscripts. That's why Paul says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, put into practice And the God of peace will be with you. When we apply the Bible, God himself will be with us. Application, sustained effort, hard work, applying truth. If you think about your week, you think about this morning, how much time have you given to being in the Word? And not just being in it, but then what? as you're in it, how are are you applying it? To see the benefit and the fruit coming from it in your life. Because you are to be bearing fruit. If your life is bearing no fruit, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have your own personal devotion. You have your own personal worship time. You have your own personal whatever. If you're not out there impacting others, then what is that time that you're doing for? It's just religious work. It's a mockery of Christ. That's the reality. So what? So what? If your life is not impacting, if you're not able to look at others and say, whatever you have learned or received or heard or seen in me, 
Something's wrong with your Christianity. Something is truly wrong with your Christianity. You just go out and you sit among everyone else. And what kind of Christian is that? What kind of Christian is that? Christ didn't do that. And he's our example. He spent many a times praying in solitude. <laughs> but when he was out amongst everyone, he impacted those that he was around with truth. With truth. So it's not about building up your own personal prayer time just to keep to yourself, your own personal worship time just to keep to yourself, your own little personal devotional time just to keep to yourself. That's not Christianity. No, Christianity, we are to go forth. Remember the charge from Jesus. Go! 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 That's what we're called to do. Go. Share the gospel. Live out your life. This transformed life among a wicked and perverse generation. Go be the light. Don't have confidence in and of yourself. Don't have confidence in Christ and what He has begun in you. He is faithful to complete. And knowing that as you're applying, as you're studying, as you're memorizing, as you're meditating on God's Word, the promise that we have from Scripture, that the God of peace is with us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't just say, now go figure it out. No, He's with us. He empowers us. He gives us what we need. So the degree to which we study, memorize, and meditate on God's Word is the degree to which we understand how it applies to our lives. But understanding how the Word applies is not enough. We must actually apply it. Application implies action. And obedient action is a final step in causing God's Word to come to life in our lives. The application of Scripture enforces and further enlightens our study and, and it also serves to sharpen our discernment Helping us better to distinguish between good and evil. To distinguish between good and evil. Just not going along with teachings. Just not going along with things. But you're able to discern between that which is good and that which is evil. See, we're to be the people of God doing the will of God for the glory of God. Fascinates me what's been happening over in Maui. The more I'm reading, the more the, the visual testimonies I'm seeing and just the, the, the videos that are coming out from what has occurred over there, I just go, oh God. I mean, I think they're saying now maybe it's up to 800, but the residents actually there, where they're speaking, they're saying it could be thousands of people. I mean, they woke up and it was an inferno, hell, on their island. 
They had no way to escape but to jump in the ocean. And a lot of them had to swim underneath because the ocean was on fire. They had to swim underneath the fire. And then others, as they swam underneath the fire, they had to wade in the ocean up to their necks five to eight hours. And it's weird. And they don't, they don't even know how the fire started. There's all these speculations of, of all this stuff that's going on. And then it just leads me down another path where I go, well, that's an interesting place, land, because the occult people, they, there's designated places throughout the earth that they feel their gods, the energy sources... All of this stuff, rule and reign, and this place that was burnt is one of the areas where it has this, this what they believe, a covering of this god and goddess. And so they even are saying, these lost people who are bound up in the occult, they see it as something evil that has been done to this land, and to this people. And I go, God. And that's just one little place on the earth, in our generation, in this day, in our time right now. But there's hundreds of others. The devastations that's taken place, the floods that are taking place, the famine that has taken place, the disease that is taking place, the craziness that has taken place, the way the governments are forming on this earth and transitioning how they're what they're transitioning to, everything is taking place. The level of the cultic activity is rising. Their voices are being distributed. Perversion is rising. Evil is rising. Lawlessness. Did you see, was it one of the stores in L.A. yesterday? One of these high-end stores. This crowd of people just came in and just began to just loot and steal. And everyone just standing and just watching it. And that just happened. Lawlessness is on the rise. And the church, the church, the church. Oh, how I pray that we're interceding. Oh, how I pray that we're, that we're living this life out amongst those that we have an opportunity to live in front of. That we understand the hour in which we have been given to accomplish what God has called us to. Not to be overwhelmed, not to be anxious, not to get caught up in a brouhaha, but to start living like children of God. Like the God, the only God, the maker of heaven and earth, 
The one who's victorious. The battle's already won. We have the hope of the resurrected Christ. And we need to start seeing life through His lenses. Through His eyes. We need to awaken to His truth. And if He is risen, then it would be in our best interest if we belong to Him, to abide in Him, to remain in Him, to seek Him, and to ask Him, how now then shall I live this day? How may I serve you and serve others? I don't want to cling to anything else so tightly. That's here today and gone tomorrow. But no, God, I want to live for you. I want to know what it means to not only live for you, but God, if I need to lay down my life for you, then let it be, Lord. Because my life is not my own. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Scriptures again I'm holding up to encourage you on application. How, is, how are you doing with the amount of time that you're spending in the Word of God? Not to turn it into some weird religious duty that's burdensome. I don't have time. Could you imagine? Could you imagine that being your excuse? I mean, just think about that. Maybe you've said it before. Maybe you've heard others say it. But do we truly understand? We're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 through 2. When you truly understand, when you say to yourself, no, I just don't have time. But you have time for everything else. You have time for everything else. And what you give your mind to, what you give your attention to, is what you are allowing to rule you. And you're saying that I'm a Christian, I've been born again of the Spirit of God, that the resurrected Christ is the one in whom I serve, but I don't have time for Him. I don't have time to learn of my new nature. I don't have time because I'm busy. I've got my children, I've got my grandchildren, I've got this, I've got that, I've got over here, I've got over there, I've got my own problems. We got everything else. Oh, I can't get up earlier. No, I'll have another hour at the end of the night. No, I, you don't understand my schedule. I show up to Sundays when I can. I get into church when I can. And so we just go around. We're Christians. We're Christians. No, we're not Christians. We're just religious people doing what we want to do. How we want to do it. Creating our own God and worshiping the way we want to worship. But that is not the Christianity you will find. And yet, that's the Christianity that's being peddled. So when we think of this, when, when we think that the Word of God, when you, when, you, when you look and you look over your past week, you look over just this morning, and I'm not talking about sitting in church, I'm talking about you opening up the Word of God and saying, how then now shall I live? And stop allowing chaos to rule your hearts, your homes, and your lives. 
You can't much do about chaos out there. But you ought to be doing something about chaos that God has given you the right to control. Allowing darkness just to rule and reign. Just to run amok. Oh no, child of God, you've got to start standing. Because if you can't stand in your own home for truth, you're not going to stand out there. So don't fool yourself. And then if you are standing out there, but you're not standing in your own personal life with integrity, then you're only holding a form of religion out there to others. And it's best not that you even go out there and do anything because your masks are going to fall off. And you're going to look like a fool. A person who lives their life saying there is no God. And yet claiming to be with God. Oh, we got to wake up. we got to wake up. we got to wake up. So it's not a religious duty. It's not a burden. Oh, I've got I've to do this. I've got to do that. No. No, it's a desire. Because we know how we would live in and of ourselves, but if we truly have been born again, well, there's a whole new way of living, and we don't know how to live that way. So we must look to the author of life, the one who has called us out of darkness, and has brought us into this life, the one who says that I am faithful to complete what I've begun in you, and we be truly begin to live out the newness of identity, so you have to ask yourself, what are you doing? If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 to 2, I'm so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts. So let me back up. It's in chapter 10, verse 1. And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. I'm so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts and that you are following the teachings I passed on to you. Again, Paul is not being prideful. You're not being prideful. But this is the reality. If you're studying, if you're meditating, if you're applying and your life is transforming, not perfect, but maturing, you ought to be able to look at others whom you are discipling. And by God, I know it makes people uncomfortable, but if you've been a Christian more than a year, and you're not personally discipling someone, something is wrong with your Christianity. Allow that to make you uncomfortable. Personally discipling someone. Sitting down with them. Opening up the Word of God with them. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. Well, I don't want to adjust my life for that. Well, then what kind of Christianity do you have? Why isn't that a personal goal for you? Why aren't you connecting? And not connecting for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, or, okay, look, look what I did. Oh, I said a little scripture. No, I'm talking about investing in someone's life. <laughs> Going through the ups and the downs, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Holding people accountable. Unless we just keep creating apostates. Unless we just keep creating people who are just religious,
You're to be making disciples. You're to be a disciple. You're to be making disciples because you're a disciple. That's how we're to be living. Well, I go to church. So what? Well, I know the Bible. So what? Well, I met this person. So what? I talked to 12 people. Who cares? It's probably all just religious works. Put a check mark. Put a check mark. Put a check mark. But the reality is, is are you living your life out? Are you adjusting your life for Christ to use you to advance his kingdom? Well, I don't know much, but you know enough already. Keep growing so you can keep learning and teaching more. We've got to come on. We've got to wake up. Darkness is not stopping. Hell is not stopping. The world is not stopping. Your flesh is not stopping. So why is the church? Why is the church settling? Why is the church taking on all of these platforms and denying Christ? Something is wrong. If we're not multiplying disciples... Something is wrong. It just can't be left up to one person, two people. Titles, people who have titles. I know you. Why don't you long to be discipled? Who are you sitting down with? Who are you allowing to invest in your life, to hold you accountable, to go toe-to-toe with you? Stop being so easily offended. Boo-hoo, crying all the time. Grow up. Grow up. And if you're not sitting down personally being invested in, something's wrong with your Christianity. And then if you're not personally investing in others, discipling them, something is wrong with your Christianity. I'm telling you all, we gotta wake up. We gotta sound the alarm. Christ is returning. Christ is returning. And people are going to hell. And people are walking away from the church. Have you sat? I mean, I'm telling you, have you sat and listened to people talk why they've left the church? And it's foolishness. The abuse. The this and to that. And I hear their sad stories. But I'm like, really? You, you, you've forsaken Christ to be become a child of his wrath because you're just a big old immature baby. Mm-hmm. And people say, well, that's 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 not compassionate. No, it's truly compassionate. I can give you hundreds of excuses why I should not be standing here caring about your souls. 
could go down the list and tell you why I should have forsaken Christ and gone run amok. But the created didn't save me. I'm not looking for the created to be perfect. I'm not looking for the created for hope or inspiration. No, no, no. Jesus saved me. Jesus is perfect. And Jesus inspires me, inspires me to live for him. To love him. To embrace the call from him. So I'm not sure quite what we're doing, you all. Again, I keep telling you, I'm not moved. I'm not moved. I'm not moved by what's going on in churches. Who has the anointing this season? Who doesn't have the anointing? Who says this? Who does that? Up today, down tomorrow. Oh, this person so... ah. But you just stand in the mirror for yourself. The reality is, are you a Christian? Are you truly a Christian? Have you truly been born again? Or are you just taking on the name and then somehow finding comfort and really no comfort at all? No comfort at all. It may sustain you for the here and now, but when you take your last breath, oh, there's no comfort because he doesn't know you. He doesn't know you. You worker of iniquity. And it's nothing of himself, it's all of you. Do you understand what you've been born into? Do you understand the condition in which you've been born into? Unless we keep making light of it. Unless we just keep making light of it. You were born in a condition that hates God. That is an enemy towards God. That doesn't matter rubbing your trinkets and lighting your candles and worshiping your idols, praying through them and hope that it gets to him. Worshiping trees, worshiping rocks, worshiping that, worshiping this. Giving yourself over and over and over and over and over. Allowing yourself to be developed by what's being done to you from the outside. Harboring the anger and the pain and the hurt and the rejection and the insecurities. And I I didn't have my daddy. I didn't have my mama. Do you know what they've done to me? Do you know my circumstances? All of this junk that we just keep marking as our identity. We would never turn to God. In and of ourselves. Again, we would create a God and we may not, we, we won't even have a problem slapping Jesus' name on it. 
Because every human being was created with the need for God. It's just that every human being, though we were born into a nature that is in complete rebellion to the true God, we're an enemy to the true God, we like then our little gods that we create. Like, see, I don't know you all if, if you're awake. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but you aren't even contributing. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but you're so tight-fisted. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. You can't even go visit people. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. And you don't have no time for anything except for your schedule. But I'm a Christian. And where is that? And this. Oh, give us a better message. Give us a better message. I'm telling you, do you understand what you're up against out there? If you're truly a Christian, do you understand what's out there ready to devour you? Do you truly understand what's inside you that's ready to devour you? Do you understand this realm that will love nothing more than to devour you. You can't barely pray. I mean, pray you all. I'm not talking about, Lord, bless this food that I'm about to partake. Amen. No, I'm talking about praying. When's the last time you stepped into your homes and said, it's enough's enough? Rather, it's within your home or within those that you know. And start living like you have some type of authority given to you by the one in whom you say you belong to now. Because if you're truly a child of God, do you understand this new nature? And we can't truly understand even the very thought of that until we understand the nature in which we were born into. We can't make light We were his enemy. And it was him and him alone that was pleased to reveal himself to us. To reveal himself to us because of his love. And yet God is getting mocked out there. And yet you are appointed and designed for this generation Sealed until the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit, if you're truly a Christian and you're called to go forth to announce the good news, you all, and living in a way now that is opposite of the nature that hates Him. And you're asking, God, show me how to love you. Show me how to love others. How now then shall I live? God, I want to grow and mature to a place that I can look at others and say, 
as you've seen in me, as you as you heard from me, you know, follow me as I'm following Jesus. I just don't want it to be words, God. I want it to be a life. Because I understand, God, that that's what I was born for. That is what I was created for. That is what I was purposed for. You designed me. You're the author of life. My significance is in Christ. And your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know how you're talking. I don't know how you're living. But oh, how I pray that you truly are a Christian. A true child of God that you have been engrafted in. You have been given the right to call him Abba. That you've received the Holy Spirit. And if you feel like you're not measuring up, then get your eyes off of yourself and look to Christ. If you see that you're not loving Christ, you're not living for Christ, that you don't have a desire for the things of Christ, well then would you just humble yourself and repent and turn to Christ? He doesn't reveal the condition of your soul to keep you at arm's length. It is His loving kindness that draws you to Him as He's revealing your condition. And so He bids you not to come. No, He bids you to come. That you will be forgiven. That you would be washed clean. That you would be made whole. That you would be received and welcomed. And that He, He and He alone will bring about what He has purposed for your life as you go forth now to live as one who has been in the presence of God. Who's abiding with Him. Who's loving him with all of their being. With all of their being, you all. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 4. By His divine power, again, Scripture and hopes to encourage you on application, applying God's Word. You've heard this for eight months now. By His divine power, whose? His. God. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him. The one who called us to himself 
by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Again, I don't know how much time you're in the word. I don't know how you're applying truth. I don't know if you truly understand that if you're truly a Christian, you are have a new identity. There's a whole new way you ought to be living. But yet you're not being discipled. Yet you're flippant about fellowship among the saints with the church. You're flippant because of uh, in that because you're flippant about your walk with Christ. And yet we hear scriptures like this. And what does that do for you? How does that sit with you? How does that hit your heart and your life? This is the living word of God. It pierces you to the depths of your being. This is how we're called to live. By his divine power. And we receive this. All, look at this, by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself. It's nothing we did. It's not a self-help step. Twelve ways to success. It's what he has begun in us. He has called us to himself. By the means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of this, he has given us great and precious promises. Oh, do you know the promises of God, you all? These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. And ultimately to escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So application, you all. Eight months I've been spending on it with you. Where are you? How are you doing? Don't go beat yourself up. I don't want to go to church no more. I don't want to know God no more. I just do this God thing by myself. All these weird excuses we make. And yet God is getting our attention. Waking us up in this hour. This desperate hour that is upon the earth. And we think that we can just keep doing church the way we've done church. God help us, you all. God help us that we would wake up. Over the past few weeks, I've just been praying, I've just been meditating, I've just been seeking the Lord, and boy, I tell you, I said, God, how can one keep standing with all of this craziness? And none of this has taken you by surprise, Lord. How do we keep standing? Because He's still out in that tomb. He's still not on the cross. He's still not in the manger, and he's still not a hope or a thought or, you know, prophecy that hasn't been fulfilled. No, he's resurrected. And I've been sharing with you over these past couple of weeks on the resurrected Christ. I don't know. I said, God, do we, do we, you know, do we truly understand this truth? 
Like, have you gone through this week, through this morning, and has the reality been for you that the God in whom you say you love with your whole being is seated at the right hand of the throne of God? He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is a resurrected Christ. He was the one who were prophesied back then to the enemy. There will come one. He was the one even before the garden, even before the fall. Even before the earth was formed, he already said yes to the cross. The resurrected Christ. Have others seen him in your life? Because you're to be his image bearer. That's the standard. It's not man's standard. I mean, again, I've listened to videos after videos after videos of why people are leaving the church why people want to decommission the church or restructure the church or redefine the church. <clears throat> Trust me, I'm listening just to see what kind of nonsense they're believing. It's all demonic. But I go, God, listen. They have talked themselves in. Because their God is still in the tomb. He has no power, no authority. Oh, but the people of God on this earth, and there are people of God on this earth. There is a remnant of people in every generation. <laughs> because God is that man that he should lie. Are you part of that remnant? Not here today, gone tomorrow. Well, I'm here, oh God, I'm not now, I'm offended. Or I got this problem going on, or I got that problem going on. You've got it because you've allowed it. This is the reality. This is the reality. I keep telling you all that. Well, if you would just know what they're doing. But you're accepting it. So you're no different than them because you're doing it with them. You're allowing it. You're catering to it. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Look how you're reacting to them. I mean, wake up. Wake up. Oh, but I love Jesus. I mean, the reality. The resurrected Christ. All authority. All power. We've been given everything we need to live a godly life. We have full access to his throne. We can pray. We can bind and we can loose. Our faith can increase. We can go forth and be ambassadors. But you can't even get up 30 minutes extra Open the Word. 
because it's a burden. Oh, I couldn't do it today. Couldn't do it yesterday. Oh, it's just too hard. But yet, living a life shackled in shame and shackled by sin, being dragged out by the enemy. Oh, that's not hard for you? I mean, I don't know if you've considered the cost. I said, we consider the cost? I mean, listen to all these boohoo stories. I said, my God, they've been in church for almost 30 years, 20 years, 6 years, and now they want to redefine the church. And they have boohoo stories. Now we have to rewrite. This is what we need to do. We need to be all inclusive. We need to, you know, we need to fool, fools, fools, fools. What kind of nonsense? Fine, if you've been hurt, you've been wounded, you've been whatever, be healed, be free. Walk it out. Walk it out with someone that that God has brought into your life to point you to Christ, to point you to wholeness, to point you to victory instead of feeding all of your insecurities and your woundedness. Giving your woundings a right to master you. Giving your foolishness. Some of you look like fools in front of people when you're talking about Jesus. Because they look at your life and your life is schizophrenic. Blessing God one moment, cursing Him out of your mouth the next. I've got peace in this second, but next time I'm losing it. And it's not just a one-shot deal. No, that's your life before them. And then you'll wonder why, in God's name, they're not coming to Christ. Because you're in the way. You're in the way. Christ can't even rule and reign. Because you haven't given him the right to. Oh, we got to wake up. we got to wake up, you all. If we're truly Christians. I don't know if you know what you're up against out there. What is happening in our generation? I just want to go to church. I just want to be entertained. Oh, I want the pastor to be anointed. Yes. I want to feel it. Ooh, yes. I want to feel it. You know how many people are feeling it? But yet they're going to go right back out and they lose the feeling. Because no one's been bold enough to stand in their face. And go toe-to-toe with them. And to call it out. And say, enough's enough. And you say, well, that's not Jesus' style. Have you not read the Bible? Who did he get bold with? Who did he go toe-to-toe with? Those people in the church? In the synagogues? Pretending to be God's people? Oh, no, no, no. Do you know who he was compassionate with? Who he stooped low with? Who he gave himself to and served? Those that didn't hold a form of religion. (laughs) He understood their condition. So he didn't go out there beating them over the head. Holding them accountable to something they're not accountable to. No, he lived in such a way, he ministered in such a way 
that he left them inspired to know him even more. He sent forth his disciples. He transformed them. He empowered them by the Holy Spirit. From the book of Acts on. I know we like to keep them bound to the Gospels, their condition before Acts. But you realize after Acts, they weren't the same. (laughs) Why? Because they received power from on high. The same power that we receive. This is what the Word of God says. Was that theologically correct? And you have all these people and all this brouhaha. I mean, I've, I've, I've listened to some of these solid people that I've, I've followed throughout the years who have, who have just influenced my own walk. And, but then I look what they're doing on Christian Twitter and I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, please, men of God, would you stop? And finally, one brother called him out. That y'all are just fighting for position. Because the older saints, the older men of God, are, they're eventually going to die off. They're, they're up in age. At some point, they're going to die off. So who's going to take their place to be the voice? So you got all these young pastors. you got all these middle-aged pastors fighting, jockeying for position, wanting their voices to be heard. But they look like fools. God help us. And this is what I'm trying to say to you all. What are you doing? How are you living? And you say, well, my life really can't be, what's my life going to do? How would you know until you truly begin to live it? The resurrected Christ. Listen, He's alive, you all. He's alive. He's alive. Go to Revelation. (laughs) Scriptures on the resurrected Christ I want to hold up to you. You know, when you have that reality that He's alive, (laughs) when you have that reality that everything is under His control, you won't be so flippant with your Christian life, because how could you? How could you truly know that you know that you know that you know that you know that He is alive and keep doing what you're doing and thinking it's okay? He's fine with it. How? He understands my weakness. Who says that? Well, I've got to walk through you know, my 15 steps of recovery. What? I just can't get over this desire. (laughs) This is how I was born. (laughs) Yeah, but you're born again. (laughs) We all have desires before Christ. (laughs) We all have things. But in Christ, it's His desires now. 
My life is not based on my desires. It's his desires. How do I get to know him? Walk with him. He's alive. Talk with him. See him. And everything that he has created. He's God. Over the, even over the chaos, chaos of this world, he's still God. Because he allows it to be used to reveal his greatness. So come on, you all. Come on. Revelation 1, verse 17 through 18. When I saw him, John writes, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he, Jesus, laid his right hand on me and said, Jesus' words, you all. Unless you want to continue to make him someone that he's not. Or something that he's not. Listen to the resurrected Christ this morning. These are his words. From his throne. I am the living one. I died. But look. I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Jesus, you all. Jesus, the resurrected one, the victorious one. And I've done this before over the years, and I want to look at the letters again to the churches. And we're going to take two over the next few weeks. Because I find it interesting, what would Jesus write About us. What would Jesus write about you individually? If he was to send you a letter. He knows what we're doing. He knows what you're doing. He knows your heart. He knows our heart. He knows if he's the center. Or if he's just a form. Or just a taskmaster that we make him out to be. Like, you better wake up. You better wake up and realize everything that you've heard about God, heard about Jesus, before you came to Christ, if you're truly in Christ, it's all been doctrines of demons. You better see Him for truly who He is. Holy, holy, holy. And yet, Slow to anger, full of compassion. His love never fails. His love endures forever. He is pleased to be revealed to us because the Father sent him for us so that we could have a way out and be reconciled to him for all eternity. God is not stiff-arming us. He's beckoning us. Come out from among them. You do not belong there. Now you can choose if you so be it. But why, if you were predestined to come, would you choose not to? That God 
knew you. God claimed you. God purposed you. Oh, there are some that he purposed for destruction. And that's hard for people to wrap their head around that. And yet there's others that he's purposed for him. And God is pleased to reveal himself to us that we might live. Jesus then begins to reveal to John, write these messages. Chapter 2. Verse 1 through 7. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. The one who walks around the seven with I'm sorry, walks around among the seven gold lampstands. These are Jesus' words. The resurrected Christ. I know all the things you do. Let that sit with you this week. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But, Jesus says, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Look how gracious he is here. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, this is the resurrected Christ. If you don't repent, he's talking to the church. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life and the paradise of God. I don't know who you're living for, you all. I would hope it's Christ. I would hope it's Jesus. That you're just not slapping him to your life or attaching him to your life. No, he is to be your life. There's no other way around it. You are to die. You are to take that old nature and nail it to his cross. You are to recognize that you are a sinner. And that you are to live a life of repentance. Because you're not perfected. If you're in error, repent. Get up and move forward. Do what is right. Do what you did from the beginning. If your love has grown cold for him and others, well, ask him, fan the flame, get up and begin. Return to him. We see it all through scripture. 
in the old and in the new covenant. <laughs> He's constantly telling his people, look at me, look at me, look at me. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You can't go any other direction. Well, that's just too hard. Well, then fine. Turn from him like the others did. It's too hard for us to understand. And what did they do? They turned back. They turned back. But he's constantly pursuing us. Even from the throne. He sees what's going on. And he speaks. He speaks. Well, I didn't get a letter. Yes, you did. It's right here. You got the whole. Everything you need. Written. <coughs> spelled out for you. Because what was for them is for you. And it'll be for the next generation, the next generation, the next generation. And don't you find it interesting? That's why it's all throughout generations. It's either been trying to rip from people's hands. Rewritten. Destroyed, picked apart, and you just want to play church. I'll go to church if I can. If it's convenient for my schedule, when it's convenient, God, I'll, you know, live for you. I don't know that hardship. That life seems hard. Really? And your life on your own isn't? This is the way to life. This is life in abundance. Well, it doesn't look like, looks like you're suffering. Who, where, whatever may come. The security that we have, the hope that we have to be able to sustain what has been given to us, not by our mind, nor by our power, but by the Spirit of God. Oh, I don't know if we know that we know that we know. He goes on. Chapter 2, verse 8. The message to the church of Smyrna. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. This is the message from the one who is the first and the last. Come on, y'all, hear. Hear the names of the resurrected Christ. Who, has, who was dead, but now is what? Alive. Oh, that we would believe. Oh, that we would believe. Jesus' words. I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. What, Jesus? Yeah, Jesus knows what these people are about to go through. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, come on, Jesus. I will give you the crown of life. And then somehow we want to paint him to be the Jesus we want. 
Bless me, bless me with all of this, all of that. Make my life better. Make, oh, I don't want to suffer. I don't want this report. I don't want that report. Oh, I don't want this. I don't want that. Oh, why did this happen to me? I thought you were a good God. Like you realize when we talk that way, when we think that way, we really don't know him. See, when those thoughts come like that, you better start taking them captive. There's a way to war. There's a way to war. Unless you begin to believe doctrines of demons that will then lead you out. Listen to what Jesus is saying here. He knows. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. But if you remain faithful even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Come on, y'all. Some of you just need to laugh in the enemy's face. Some of you, it doesn't matter what the doctor says. It doesn't matter what your job says. It doesn't matter what your family says. It doesn't matter what the world does to you. They round you up. For the glory of God. All for Jesus. I'm secured. I'm okay. Say and do what you want. God, I just want to remain faithful. Yes. And yet we're so easy. We're so easy to, oh, oh, we get the report. Oh, oh. Now all of a sudden we're not faithful. But we were just praising him the day before. Or maybe just an hour before. We had the worship plan. Oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And then the phone call came. And then all of a sudden, God's not faithful. I don't know what God you're serving. Well, that's just normal, Rob. That's just what people go through. That's normal for the flesh. But if you're a Christian, you're not to be living out of the flesh. So no, I'm not going to just pat myself on the back with someone. No, that's a, that's a normal thought. That's a normal reaction. That's just what I'm going to do. Oh no. That's warfare. Oh, what? What? Why am I, why am I acting as if he's not God? Why, why is he not faithful in this hour because of this report for me or for my loved one? Well, this is going on. Why all of a sudden and am I, is my faith shaking? Oh, I don't know how you're talking. I don't know how you're praying. I don't know how you're standing against the wiles of the enemy. But oh my God, I pray that you are. <laughs> I pray that you are. <laughs> God, I just want to remain faithful. When's the last time you prayed that? When the call came, when the report came, when the hurt came, when the pain came, and the complication with the, with the relational issues came. Well, I reacted and, oh man, I've gone a long, long this line, time thinking this. Well, then just repent. He's gracious enough to show you you're in error, so get up. Be faithful. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed, will not be harmed by the second death. 
Lord, I don't know if you all know. I pray that you do. I pray that you do. I pray that you do. Because this is what keeps us going. So God, with all this chaos going on, with all of this stuff going on, God, this it looks huge. But God says, I'm greater. Because I'm resurrected. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. And this is what we have to tell others. He's alive. He's just not a religion. He's just not a set of rules and laws and do's and don'ts keeping you from shucking and jiving. No, he's a gracious God. He's loving. He's kind. He's merciful. But he's also a just God. And he's holding back his wrath in hopes that you would see how gracious he is to reveal himself to you. Through his son, Jesus. See, I don't know how you're talking to others. I don't know how you're sharing with others. And as I said in the beginning, if you're not, if you're not, then I'm quite not sure if you're a Christian. And I'm not just talking about words, because words are good, but are you living it before them? I mean, come on. Make all the excuses. We hold people at a distance. I'll tell them about Jesus, but I don't want them to see the real me and how I'm living. I care enough about them to tell them about Jesus, but I don't want to show them behind the scenes. Religious. Pharisee, Sadducee you are. <laughs> no, I don't want to tell no one about Jesus because my life is not perfect. I haven't even been baptized. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I still got all these problems in my life. But you're not even talking like a Christian. You're acting like you don't even know who Christ is speaking that way. Like you understand you all. This isn't being mean. This is just a reality. I care enough about your souls. I care enough about your eternities than your temporalness. I truly care about your souls. Do you care about people's souls? Everyone's in heaven. Everyone's in heaven. No, they're not. We make all these pictures of heaven, heaven, and heaven, and heaven, and oh, it's so, so this, and so that, and, and we make it everything else but Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. When you truly consider the cost, you all, <laughs> all you have is Jesus, you all. You can cling to everything you want, anyone who, who you want, but it's here today and gone tomorrow. Tribulation is coming. 
Hell is coming. I was telling Gilda, my dreams last night, I don't know the hour or the day it's coming, but I'm telling you something's about to hit this earth like we've never seen before. And we just want to keep getting up and going through our humdrum lives. What the shiftings that are taking place in the spiritual realm, the chaos that is already among us, the divisions that have been sown. Do you understand what they're doing? Among the races here in the West. Do you understand what's brewing? Pray for New York. There's going to be an uprising. They're forcing nursing homes to take in the illegal aliens. New Yorkers are rising up. Thousands of them and thousands of them showed up yesterday. Because one man is on the internet telling them to get out. And fight for your land. Do you understand the uprising that's coming? Do you understand when Best Buy tells their white employees, you're not allowed in management anymore. So don't sign up for management training. Do you understand the division that's being sown? Hell knows what it's doing. Darkness knows what it's doing. The world knows what it's doing. I mean, you all just want what? What did you even come here for today? What did you get up for yesterday? What are you going to get up for tomorrow? I mean, come on. Like something's wrong. And we better fix our eyes on the resurrected Christ. We better live for Him. Knowing that you will die for Him. You better realize that He is your all in all. It's a great time to be alive. (laughs) There's no need to run and hide. There's no need. No, it's a time to stand and boldly proclaim (laughs) Boldly proclaim, I don't know what the next year is going to look like. But what I do know is Christ is resurrected. (laughs) Take everything. But you can't take the message that I've been entrusted with. That you've been entrusted with. To boldly declare that Jesus, He is risen. He is victorious. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and He bids you to come to die so that you may truly live life and life to the full. Prophecy. Prophecy, you all. Prophecies concerning Christ. It's so important. Carrie, if you could take the notes from the previous week and add the little caption that I usually do for prophecy to them, that would be great. But prophecy, we need it. It equips us. Everything that God's purpose and plan, it's come to pass. 
He's on the throne. He can be trusted. We're putting our trust in everything else. But it needs to be in God. He's the only one. He's the only one. He's the only one. So these three new prophecies we're looking at this week. And hopes to encourage you to know that you can trust Him. You can consider the cost and lay your life down. Well, I failed yesterday. I failed last hour. Get up. Stop letting your failures define you. Well, if I can only be strong like so-and-so, if I can only do like so-and-so, get your mind off of everyone else and stop comparing yourself to everyone else and just start keeping your eyes on Jesus. I don't know where I can serve. I don't know this. I don't know that. I don't know why that church does this. I don't know why he does that. I don't know why they do that. Oh, you're backbiting and you're gossiping and you're complaining and you're slandering. Stop it and repent. Serve. Contribute. I keep telling you, stop being a taker. Contribute with joy. With joy. Because if contributing is a burden, then don't contribute. No one needs your burden. If it can't be a blessing, then hoard it, hoard it to yourself. Because it's not accepted. Christ doesn't accept it. You know, you want to live for Christ, you all. You want to live for Christ. You can't keep playing games. Christ, Christ, He's the standard. It's all Him. You want anything else preached? Go somewhere else. The standard is Christ. You are to reflect Christ. Your words, your thoughts, your deeds, everything of your being is to be Christ-like. So do you know Him? And that is my hope, is going through these prophecies concerning Christ that you could see. Like, this isn't just a good book. This isn't some little story time. No, this is the Word of God. This is God's truth revealed to us so that we would turn to Him, that we would truly repent of our wicked ways. Humble ourselves before Him and receive this new birth through Him. Oh my goodness. First prophecy, beaten and spat upon. Go to Isaiah 50, (laughs) verse 6. Isaiah 50, 5-0, verse 6. The prophecy concerning Christ. (laughs) I offered my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mockery 
and spitting. This was fulfilled. Go to Mark 14. Verse 6. Now I'm going to Mark 14, verse 65. The fulfillment. Then some of them began to spit at him, and they blindfolded him and beat him with their fists. Prophesy to us, they jeered. And the guards slapped him as they took him away. And I know, said the other night, and people have said it numerous times before, oh, I just don't like looking upon uh, images of, of Christ being crucified, or, oh, I, I can't take all that in. Oh, well, you ought to. Yeah. It may do you some good to weekly look at it. <laughs> to remind you what you deserve. He took that for you. And beyond, He took the wrath of God for you. He took the insults, the beatings, the spitting upon, the ripping out His beard. His body was so deformed when they got through with Him, He couldn't even be recognized. And they nailed Him to a cross. And He endured the wrath of God. For you. For me. Love being displayed. And yet we want to carry around a false image of him. Yet we want to keep mocking and rejecting him. We want to keep doing our way and just slapping his name on us. We want to redefine him. I'm telling you all, we gotta wake up. We gotta wake up. We gotta know him as he is. He is pleased to reveal himself to us. He is calling us to himself in this hour. Don't resist him. Don't keep turning back. Don't keep being poor stewards of all that you've been trusted with. Don't keep going and running them up with the world. Don't keep just giving yourself over to anyone and anything. Stop seeking to be in a relationship when you first and foremost aren't in a relationship with the one whom you ultimately should be in with. So that then he can lead and guide you into what it means to truly be in a Christ-centered union of marriage. We've got to stop making a mockery of Him and what He has planned and what He has purposed. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me what churches are doing out there and what they're accepting. They will be held accountable. God does not change. His word does not change. 
He doesn't just make it up as he's going along. It's been established. And he's bringing about everything. That he's purposed you all. The next prophecy was hated without a cause. Psalm 69. Psalm 69, verse 4. Those who hate me without a cause outnumber the hairs on my head. My enemies tried to destroy me with lies, demanding I get back what I didn't steal. Go to John 15, verse 23 through 25, the fulfillment of this prophecy. John 15, verse 23 through 25. Oh, Jesus, help us, Lord. Anyone who hates me also hates his fa- my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, They have seen everything I did, yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in their scriptures. They hated me without cause. And the third one, the final prophecy concerning Christ crucified with sinners. Isaiah 53, verse 12. He was oppressed. Oh, nope. Verse 12. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. Here's the prophecy. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. For sinners. (laughs) The fulfillment, Matthew 27, verse 38. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him. One on his right and one on his left. The prophecies concerning Christ, you all. Jesus, you all. The resurrected one. Listen. In and of myself, I can't make you understand. It has to be the power of God, the working of God, that reveals truth to us. He reveals, he is pleased to reveal himself to us. Listen, I told you all I fought it. I kept trying to do it my way in the beginning. 
I love Jesus, 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 but I kept doing me, living for me, living for me, doing for me. And I even had these weird so-called Christians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, you're a Christian now. You're a Christian now. Thank God I wasn't deceived by them. Thank God it wasn't something within me that I was just searching for. Because that's what a lot of people thought. Oh, he just moved on to another religion. He should, he, he, he'll, he'll come back. He'll move on to something soon. See, when Christ is revealed to you, because God is pleased to reveal Himself to you, that awakening happens. You're like, oh wow. You see yourself as a sinner, as an enemy. Everything that was said to me before I came to Christ was true. was true. But at that moment, and in those times, I wasn't ready to hear it. I fought against it. If that's what God thinks of me, I'll think of him this way. <laughs> I come to Christ. I'm living. I'm loving Christ. I want to love Christ. Yes, I'm learning of Christ. Like, oh God, you're doing something new in me. But yet, God, I want to keep living for me. I keep on doing this. I want to do that. And it just wasn't settling right within me, nor should it settle right within you. And so finally, and you finally, we have to come to a place where we surrender. Not my will, God, but your will. I don't care about my desires anymore. I don't care about my needs anymore. I don't care about all of this stuff that I live for. God, I just want you. I don't know what my life's going to look like, God. I don't know where I'm going to end up or what I'm going to do. But God, I just want you. I just want you. I just want you. I just want you, Jesus. And that peace that comes... But even in the midst of peace, it's war. The Christian life is war. But we live and we participate in this war opposite of how we participate and live in war in the natural. As a Christian, we're on the other side. We're already victorious in Christ. That's why I keep telling you, and as I spent time this morning with you, you need to be discipled. Again, if you're calling yourself a Christian and you're not being discipled, I'm telling you now, I'm telling you now, I'm concerned you've been fooled. You're not a Christian. And as I said earlier too, and if you're not discipling others, and you've been a Christian for over a year, something is wrong with your Christianity. Something is seriously wrong. And I, again, I'm not talking about, well, I said a little scripture to someone, or I said something like this, or I spent 10 minutes with them, or I spent 5 minutes, well, all we can do is have a little cup of coffee. That's nothing compared to what's bombarding people nowadays. You have got to invest in people's lives. You have got to get rid of your time and your schedule. Doesn't mean you don't take care of yourself. It doesn't mean you get so, you know, involved that you burn out. That's not what anyone is talking about. But the reality is, if I went around and I asked you, who are you discipling this week? 
Why haven't you been discipling this week? Who have you invited into your home? Who have you invited in to your space? What have you given up for the hopes of seeing others come to Christ? What is your answer? And I don't want to hear about your works. Like, are we truly Christians? Do you understand the hour and the day in which you were purposed to live? To be created, to be reborn anew. <laughs> to stand up and to declare the goodness of the Lord in a world that hates Him. And in a world that's rising up more and more and more, that's pushing the church out. And we're told it's going to happen. What are you doing, child of God, to keep yourself rooted in Christ? Your belief in Christ to war against the flesh. To not fall prey to the world and its desires and temptations. To not fall prey to the spiritual realm of darkness. Like people, we got to wake up. The resurrected Christ. You see, when you've encountered him, when, when you see him, when you go, oh God, you're real. Oh, like, oh Jesus, what have I been doing? Oh, everything I am is against you. Everything I've done is against you. And isn't it funny? He's not there condemning you. He didn't look at me and he didn't condemn me. He could have. He could have. He could have brought all the charges up. He could have. He could have done it in your life. He could have brought all the charges up. List them. One by one by one by one by one. You adulterer. You fornicator. You who shack up. You who's a liar. You who's bound by lust. You who's this, you who's that. You have gone this way and that way. But he doesn't. Like when you stand before him, when he is revealed to you, oh, he does not need to condemn you. You already know. Oh, Jesus. I'm sorry. Oh, God. Forgive me. And it's a sincere repentance. It's an, oh, God. And then he stoops down. Says, My child, I've cleansed you. Because of your faith, you've been healed, saved. Born again. Receive the new nature now. (sighs) 
go tell others. That doesn't mean your life is perfect. But what it means is you already have everything you need to live it. You just got to work it out. You just got to apply it. That's why you got to be discipled. That's why you have to be in fellowship. That's why you have to grow. You have to contribute. You just don't take. You have to be productive with your lives. That's the standard for the church. I'm tired of seeing the standards of the church be run on the mark, just thrown to a side. Because you're not going to find that anywhere in the Word of God. Everyone's depending upon the pastor, or everyone's depending upon that person. No, who's depending upon you? We gotta wake up, you all. What do I do with all of this that I sense and I feel? Well, get in the word. Learn to grow up. Learn to deal with that flesh. Learn to recognize what it is. Learn to distinguish between good and evil. Learn how to take the weapons of your warfare and fight. Learn how to get up and move forward. Even when the enemy is breathing down your neck, even when it seems like your enemies are all surrounding you and they're devouring you every which way, Get your eyes off the enemy and get them on Christ. God, you rebuke the devourer for your name's sake. God, I know you're with me and you will see me through. And whatever error may be within me, Whatever I've put my hand to that I shouldn't have, whatever I've given myself to that I shouldn't have, whatever thought, whatever word, whatever I've contributed to this, reveal it to me so I can repent. And maybe there is nothing. Maybe it was just a season of testing, as we read in Revelation. But remain faithful. So I don't know how you're living. But oh, how I pray you understand. There is a way to live. And this is unto Christ. We'll pick back up walking through scriptures next week. But I'm going to close us with this last song of worship. And then I'll close us in prayer.
Take